the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. into my house on a day my daughter is to be married. You ask me to do murder for money? Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thanks so much for tuning in. Circumstances find us recording on a lovely almost 100 degree morning here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Ben. I'm Noel. Ben, was that from Dirty Harry? Uh, that is a quote from Don Vito Corleone in The Godfather. Ah, yes, famously portrayed by Clint Eastwood in the film <laughs> Dirty Hair. <laughs> Working under his famous pseudonym Marlon Brando, which ah, yes. is a pretty fake name if you think about Gotta it. Gotta be. You know who only uses their real name here in the United States? That's our good friend and super producer, Casey Pegram. Viva la bouche. <laughs> Viva la bouche. Wait, wait, wait. Did we say your name yet? I don't know. Okay, well, you're Noel. I am Noel. Okay. That's true. Noel is my name. We established that. Uh, I am not a member of La Cosa Nostra, but I do enjoy a good mob flick from Mm -hmm. time to time. Been rewatching The Sopranos lately. Got my start doing it on an airplane where it was censored in a hilarious way. Um, So I watched one through three of season one in that fashion. And then once the swears started getting back into the mix, it was borderline shocking, Ben, let me tell you. These guys really love their Fs and Jeffs. I still haven't haven't watched— Sopranos all the way through. Are you kidding me? No. Wow. It's really no. good. It I know how up. it ends. It holds I up. I watched the last episode. Yeah, it ends with a journey song and a cut to black. And that's not a spoiler. Well, it can't be a spoiler. We have statutes established for this. I think it's it's past the statute of limitations you for know, spoilers. You know, here's the thing about the statute of limitations of spoilers. Yes, it exists, but are you still being a bit of a schmuck if you do it and don't prepare someone for something that they're enjoying? There's so much content out there in the world. That's weird. Are you saying that you're doing a complete 180 from your previously, passionately, completely opposite stance? No, listen, Ben. We were talking specifically about the ending of Lost that I did not even actually spoil. I was accused of spoiling it, but the thing I said was not, in fact, a spoiler at all. 
I believe in that situation, which was uh, probably more than a few years ago it was now. It's been several years. Yeah, uh, in that situation, um, my position is that the creators of Lost spoiled the ending more than any By audience member suck. could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but I am a huge fan of mafia films, a lot of crime films, but mafia films in particular. And off air, we were kicking around this idea. Uh, Casey, what are some of your favorite crime films, specifically organized crime? Cosa Nostra Mafia. Well, Ben, when you asked me about this, my mind was completely blank because the first thing that jumped to my head was Scorsese's Casino, which is far from obscure, but it is <laughs> it is definitely one of my favorites, along with Goodfellas. But you know, if you if you want to go a little deeper cut, I would say check out one of the films of uh, Jean Pierre Melville, like uh, Le Cercle Rouge, or maybe Bob Le Flambeur. What about La Samurai? Isn't that yeah, a, La isn't Samurai? That a mafia that's, film? That's, that's Melville as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Alain Delon. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that's a good one as well. Casey on the case. Film edition. Man, we should mm-hmm. do that more often. That'd be cool. Yeah, if it comes up, yeah, just let us know, Casey, if the spirit moves you. I don't ever want it to be something where you feel stressed, like, oh, crap, I have to come up with a movie homework. for this episode. Homework, ew. ew. Who cares about homework? What's a crime film you like? No. I'll tell you what I watched recently was The French Connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never seen it before. It is a, um, oh gosh. William Friedkin. William Friedkin film. Um, famously directed The Exorcist and... Uh, what else did he direct that was really great? Uh, there's no, there's to Live a, and Die in L.A. To Live and Die in L.A., mm-hmm. which I have not seen. Oh, it's and fantastic. He, he also did a trucking, a movie about, like, like what's it called? Oh, uh, Sorcerer. Sorcerer, which has a Tangerine Dream soundtrack that I really like. But um, the thing that was so cool about French Connection is it's very naturalistic. It's just very, mm-hmm. like, something about it makes you feel like you're really in the room. I think a lot of it was improvised. Um, there's this incredible chase sequence where Gene Hackman is chasing a New York subway train that's at the portion where it's in an L. Elevated track, and he's in this like car that he's commandeered, and he's driving underneath the track, and it's just such a dynamic, cool, badass uh, chase sequence. Really, really frenetic, high energy film. You know, Robert De Niro, I thought, did a good job taking the directorial position with A Bronx Tale. Do you guys remember that one? I never saw that actually. It was pretty. Good. It's it's it, it it triggers some nostalgia for me, which may be part of the reason I liked it. Another old one that I really enjoyed was The Big Heat. That's like. 1950s. I think the big heat is Fritz Lang, actually. He's a great German filmmaker that came over to the States after Goebbels offered him the German film industry. The whole thing? Yeah. On a platter? Yeah, Ufa. Wow. Uh, and he thought, mm, maybe not. And he fled Germany that night. It's uh, The big heat is pretty dark as 50 noirs go, but it's it's worth a watch, especially if it's something that you've seen pop up on some film list and you've you've never quite gotten around to. I'd say it's worth a watch. It's surprisingly violent for the time. Today's show is about organized crime, specifically the mafia, specifically the Italian-American mafia. However, it is not about New York City. No, it's about another place entirely, Ben, that does have a reputation for revelry. It does have a reputation for seediness, a certain element, but I've never in my life associated it with organized crime until we started looking into this topic. It's a place referred to often as the Big Easy, Nolans, NOLA, or New Orleans, or New Orleans. That's correct. Yeah, New Orleans, beautiful city, home to almost a a parallel branch of American history. You know, uh, one thing that is confusing to many kids growing up in the United States outside of Louisiana is the concept of parishes rather than counties. Mm -hmm. Because Louisiana has parishes, and that is a—that is— 
one of the many vestigial traditions carried down from its history as a French city, a French territory or region. And, of course, this city is home to so many amazing things that are influential not just in the U.S., but in the world entire. And it is also home to the mafia, as we found out. You see, many of us, myself included in the past, would reasonably assume that the mafia, the Italian-American mafia specifically, had its roots in the Big Apple, New York City, NYC, uh, because this is where you see the godfather being set. This is where the five great crime families are based, uh, and this is where millions and millions of Italian immigrants originally came. They first came to New York City, Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, the whole nine. In reality, though, the first Italian-American mafia came from New Orleans. That, that was the first one. And it's also the site of the first major, let's say, maybe not conflict, but mafia incident. Mafia murder. Yeah, it's true, Ben. And and the thing is, the actual, like, first on the list for immigration from uh, Italy was places like Argentina and Brazil, which I would never have really considered either, uh, because they had similar cultures to what the Italian immigrants were used to in their homeland. Uh, New Orleans became a popular second choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was during the 1800s mainly because there was already so much trade with New Orleans and cities and regions in Brazil and Argentina. This is weird because it already began to trigger some xenophobia amongst people who were not Sicilian or not Italian. The New Orleans Times reported back in 1869 that parts of the city were overrun with, get this, quote, well-known and notorious Sicilian murderers, counterfeiters and burglars who in the last month have formed a sort of general co-partnership or stock company for the plunder and disturbance of the city. Yikes. That's not the that's not the kind of element you want <laughs> coming into your city. I mean, that's how you would describe a mafia if you had never heard of the mafia before. That's true, but this is a time where this is very new, right? For for the US. They didn't know about the the crime families in Italy. You know, there was no internet. It wasn't like super common knowledge. This was like a very new thing that was kind of invading their community. Mm -hmm. And this sort of tension continues building between the average, the squares, the non-criminal citizens, the authorities in New Orleans, and the mafia. It reaches uh, ahead in what I had started to describe this earlier. The first major incident, right. the first murder, occurs on October fifteenth, eighteen ninety. There are probably other ones, but this is the first one we know about. New Orleans Police Superintendent David Hennessy is assassinated, basically murdered execution style, and then. Public outrage and hysteria breaks. Hundreds of Sicilians get arrested. Eventually, 19 are fingered for the crime, but then they were acquitted. Yeah, and just before that happened, uh, Giuseppe Esposito, who was one of the first known Sicilian mafia members to come to the United States, he actually came to New York. Um, and this is after he and six of his cronies murdered the chancellor and a vice chancellor of a province in Sicily, in addition to 11 uh, very, very influential and uh, rich landowners. And he was arrested in New Orleans in 1881, and then he was extradited to Italy. And New Orleans is becoming a hotbed of this 
kind of activity. And it's sort of starting to bubble over with this incident that you're describing, Ben. And right. it led to some pretty serious uh, consequences, didn't it? Yeah. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So on October 15th, 1890, David Hennessy is murdered. 19, as I said, hundreds of Sicilians arrested. 19 go to trial, but they're acquitted. And this makes everyone else in the city say someone was bribing them. Someone was scaring the witnesses. So the citizens of New Orleans, the squares I mentioned earlier, organize a lynch mob and they kill 11 of those 19 people who got away. Two of them were hanged. Uh, nine of them were shot and the other eight escaped. We're not sure what happened to them, but this, along with that criminal you're describing, Noel, gives us a very different image of New Orleans. You know, we we imagine the many other problems the city had at the time, but we don't really think of imported Italian criminal enterprise, you know. Uh, we know that there has been a fairly rich research on this, especially by the Sicilian historian Salvatore Lupo in his History of the Mafia. Uh, he talks about how you can trace the spread of the mafia in the U.S. directly to Sicilian immigration to New Orleans. And by the end of the 19th century, New Orleans had the largest Sicilian population in the U.S., which surprised me. I guess I just always assumed it would have been New York. I would have, too. And apparently, as well, Ben, uh, one reason this was the case is the state of Louisiana was working with sugar planters to replace slave labor. So that kind of immigration, opening up that kind of immigration was part of that effort. Yes. So they've got booming agricultural business 
right? This is a world-class port. That alone is very attractive to the mafia. But if you throw in the disorganized city functions and the corrupt administration, boom, boom, boom. We've got a mafia moth heading toward an illicit flame. Very nice image there, Ben. Uh, And that flame ended up being the French Quarter. And Bourbon Street specifically. So when you think of Bourbon Street, anyone that's been, that's visited uh, New Orleans, you kind of think of it as being the trashy kind of touristy spot that's not necessarily where you want to hit if you're like kind of going for off the beaten path kind of stuff. But the original Bourbon Street, what led to that reputation, the original Bourbon Street as kind of like, you know, established by some of these uh, these Sicilian mobsters was a just absolute smorgasbord of things like jazz clubs, speakeasies, restaurants nudie bars, strip clubs, all that kind of stuff. And it was all run and operated, or at least largely people were getting a cut that were members of this mafia group. Yeah, Richard Campanella, the author of Bourbon Street, A History, has it this way. I think he's on the same page with us here because he says they didn't necessarily control all of Bourbon Street, but they had this behind-the-scenes influential consortium. You know, imagine imagine it like this. You don't own every house of ill repute on Bourbon Street, but you do coordinate what they can charge for things. And they do pay you a certain percentage, and you help keep people's turf boundaries clear. It's that same thing you see in, like, a show like Sopranos where uh, the mob kind of underbosses or some of the, what do they call them, like enforcers, I guess, go door to door to businesses collecting, well, collections what they call it. And that means that the mob has a hand in offering protection to these businesses as long as they're given a cut. So they sort of set the tone, I guess, for, mm-hmm. for the kind of businesses that are lucrative and that are going to generate enough money to get them, keep them paid and keep them happy, right? Yeah. And this is, this is an interesting way to look at it. We've got this quote from Campanella. He's describing the extent of Bourbon Street. You know, he says 13 blocks in the quarter, one more block in another place, half is residential, half's commercial, couple hundred businesses. This is where he gets to a specific example of mafia involvement. He says, quote, you'd have bars, some clubs, a restaurant, and something completely unrelated, like an electrical store. And in the back rooms of many bars and clubs, you might have a pinball machine that really was controlled by the mob. They paid off the bartender to make sure only they got the money. There were these bookmakers, poker machines, illegal gambling. Meanwhile, a legitimate bar was up and running, and the bartenders might not have anything to do with the mobsters. But make no mistake, a number of owners were out-and-out mobsters. So you could have, like, Casey could have, uh, you know, Crazy Casey's Crawfish and Jazz Club, and it could be totally legitimate and on the up-and-up, but there could be a back room where people go to gamble. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like contracted out to the mob. Yeah, and the mobsters get points on those poker games, those illegal poker games, or they're like out and out controlled by the mob. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Um, this is a little bit off topic, but really funny. I was in Brooklyn recently, and I went to the most Brooklyn establishment I've ever been to in my life. It was a combination laundromat, pinball emporium, and bar, probably controlled by the mob. You think so? One would assume. 
Well, we don't know if it's – we also can't profile mobs. We have to be fair to organized oh, crime. Absolutely. It could be Irish mob. That's also true. I don't know. I'm just saying. So where's the origin of the word mafia come from and mafia versus mob? Well, if we check the handy-dandy last-minute <laughs> etymology dive, mafia originally derives from a Sicilian adjective mafioso, which roughly translated means swagger, boldness, or bravado. Got it. And then the idea of uh, the mob refers to literally like a gang, you know, a group mm-hmm. of individuals that have a common purpose. Let's look at that. That's interesting. Mafia versus mob. So the mafia is going to be Italian because it has that Sicilian origin, but the mob can refer to other organized groups or organized crime in general. So like corrupt teamsters could be a mob. So a mob is not necessarily the mafia, but mob is also a synonym or nickname for the Italian mafia. Interesting. It is interesting. So the mafia would specifically refer to this idea of la cosa nostra, which uh, is something we've talked about off mic plenty. Right, this thing of ours, omerta is the code. There's a gradient, Campanella says, from a proper noun to a common noun. So he breaks it down saying there's mafia with a capital M, and then there's the mob, capital M, and then there's just no capital M, mob, and then there's mobsters, there's organized crime, and there are all these affiliated parties. So he says it's challenging, and one must be careful about the terminology. And it's interesting because the government of Louisiana did not originally settle on mass immigration of Sicilians. They apparently tried to recruit people from China. Uh, They tried to recruit people from Scandinavia, Greece, Portugal, Spanish. Uh, But they were able to entice Sicilian populations because in post-unification Sicily, there were a ton of reasons for people to get out. Life just wasn't super great. However, as this is a history show, we have to admit there is a compelling reason that people think of the mafia in New York now and not in New Orleans. Oh, totally. And that's because it's not near as prominent now because, you know, we, we said that those first inklings of problems began in the 1800s. By the 1870s, the Matranga crime family has already been established in New Orleans. They're collecting tributes. They're engaged in racketeering, prostitution, extortion, and so on. But they're not the only game in town, and fighting is already breaking out in the 1880s between the crime families. They want to see who controls the waterfront, right? And we talked, this is ultimately what led to uh, Hennessy's death and then later the lynch mob. And it gave the mafia a lesson that they never forgot. Because in Sicily, this is a bit of a stereotype, but in southern Italy overall at the time, criminals could act without much regard for authorities or societies. But now they learned, okay, there are limits to what we can get away with here. And this, a lot of people tell you that this is what set the Italian-American mafia on its, uh, on its course of following strict rules against targeting law enforcement outside of very, very special circumstances. They totally. want to keep it quiet, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a big deal, even in like these crime shows and, and movies, when you kill a policeman or somebody that's a member of law enforcement, because that 
that is going to open you up for retaliation. And ultimately, you want to keep things as copacetic as possible and as contained as possible so you can continue operating. Because at the end of the day, it's a business. It's not, they're not just there to wreak mass havoc and terror and, mm-hmm. like, terrorize the community. They actually want to kind of be loved a little bit and revered in some of these communities and have shopkeepers feel like they're kind of getting something for their money. You know what I mean? Right. When they're paying these uh, collections – Sure, it's a little bit of a pain, but at the end of the day, they're being protected from the enemy, from the other, you know, crime families or from anyone that would maybe rob them because you're part of the community. Right, right. It's a, it's almost a parallel branch of society, sort of like how the Yakuza will give out aid to victims of natural disasters. Uh, the mafia will also aid members of the community when it feels expedient and advantageous for business. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it so uh the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the crazy part, though. So we have all these Sicilians in the French Quarter, right? And the French Quarter is not the biggest quarter. 
So eventually, say the 1930s and 40s, a lot of Sicilians who live there begin to move out. And of course, being a Sicilian, it's silly that we have to say this, but just to cover our bases, being a Sicilian American obviously does not automatically make you a member of the mob. Of course not. Only the cool ones. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be made. <laughs> you have to be a main man. Yeah, you have to be made. So it's weird because during the 20th century, the 1900s, it seems like the Sicilian population was becoming more and more suburban. And now there are only maybe a handful of Sicilian residents or people of Sicilian heritage living in the French Quarter. That's right. And uh, not only that, probably even fewer um, made men that are living in, uh, in, in New Orleans and continuing to do any kind of Cosa Nostra-associated business. Because, you know, the mafia still exists. It, it is a thing. You definitely don't hear as much about it because it seems like because of FBI uh, changes in, in the way they can prosecute um, organized crime, it's a little bit more difficult to get away with it, like the RICO Act and, and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's, I'm sure they just kind of have adapted and changed the game a little bit and trying to stay a little bit more under the radar. And we do have we do have at least one example, right, of a famous Sicilian uh, mafioso from New Orleans. Yeah, that's right. Carlos Marcella kind of became the head honcho um, in New Orleans organized crime. Uh, he was born to a Sicilian family in Tunisia. Uh, his name was Carlo Gero Minacori. Oh, oh, and we know him as Carlos Little Man Little Marcello. Man. That's right. And he immigrated directly to Louisiana in 1911, and he turned to crime before he was even a teenager and already began uh, working in the French Quarter, which at that point was the city's Little Italy. Right, right. Uh, He joined the Matranga family we mentioned earlier that they were also known as the Black Hand or Sicilian Black Hand. And he, along with the rest of the crime family, controlled operations at New Orleans docks. So there was smuggling, prostitution, uh, drug trafficking, gambling. And then, of course, as soon as prohibition kicks in, you know what that means. Oh, yeah. Money, money, money. Absolutely. It's bootlegging, the secret speakeasies and all that stuff. And that's that's the kind of thing you think about, you can picture in New Orleans during that time. It's like these kind of smoky underground lounges with like jazz singers and, uh, you know, cocktails flowing and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And Marcelo sort of has a story that, that could be an episode of its own. You know, he he got into and out of jail. He had been arrested and beat raps before. Like, it's, it's surprising. Uh, I would be surprised if there was not already a film about his life. But even today, he is the subject of speculation and conspiracy theories. And you'll hear that he is one of the people who was part of the conversation that led to the assassination of President JFK in November of 1963. That's right, because Robert Kennedy was a big uh, proponent of bringing down Marcelo because of the fact that he had done such a good job of avoiding any kind of consequences to his <laughs> career in organized crime. In fact, I don't think it was until uh, the age of like 72 that he got convicted of any kind of felonies. So, yeah, you're right, Ben. Maybe he gets his own episode for sure. I love the conspiracy angle and the fact that Robert, yeah, there's Jack Ruby's tied up in all of this and Dallas and Lee Harvey Oswald, all of that stuff. 
big central figure in the whole JFK thing. But that is for another day. That is for another day. However, Noel, I propose that this counts as our Louisiana episode. Oh, it has to. It was definitely about Louisiana, yeah. And Louisiana and New Orleans have been, uh, on, on my mind in particular, given the threatening weather that's coming through as this podcast is recorded and releases, uh, we want to wish everybody out there best of luck. Stay safe. Stay dry. Stay connected. Have have a plan. I've got some friends in New Orleans who have been keeping me up to date until just a few days ago. They thought they might have to evacuate. Everybody was on the edge of their seat. So if you are listening from New Orleans, please say hello to your fair metropolis. Uh, love it. Miss it. Always want to go check out the city and let us know some of your favorite New Orleans stories. You don't have to be from there to tell us. It doesn't have to be a huge historical moment. What's a good time you had in New Orleans? I've only been the once, and the weather was terrible the whole time. It was rainy and dreary, but I loved every second of it. It was so much fun, and I really hope to go back again soon. Um, yeah, you can write us all that stuff at ridiculous at iheartradio.com. You can check us out on our Facebook group, The Ridiculous Historians, where you can interact with your other members. There was a really good one. Somebody posted a meme today. Uh, it, was, it was a very meta meme because it was an image of Christopher Columbus and his crew, and it says, I don't steal memes. I discover them. I saw that one, yes. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Ben Bolin, HSW on Twitter. Uh, you can see my various work and non-work adventures on Instagram where I am at Ben Bolin. Yeah, I don't really do the Twitter, but you can find me on Instagram at Brown. Big, big thanks, as always, to Casey LaBouche-Pegram. Uh, big thanks to our friend of the show, Christopher Hasiotis, who we need to have on. Uh, it's been too long. It has been too long. Those are some of my favorite episodes that we do with Christopher. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme, research associate Gabe Lugier, who's for always being a boss. And thanks to you, Ben, for um, not having me whacked yet. Omerta is the code. I am a legitimate businessman working in imports. So I guess the best thing to say is not my department, Noel, but you're welcome. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? we are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. 
Save now at cedarpoint.com.